Welcome to episode six of Nearsighted Podcast. I'm Brandon, and with me is my co-host, Big John Eisner. How's it going, John? Hey, it's uh, it was going better until I just heard the news out of WVU basketball. The NCAA has screwed us again. Well, I mean, <laughs> at this point, are we are we surprised? Not one bit. Not one bit. We're playing. We're not only playing against the opponents on the the schedule. We're also playing against uh, everybody at the NCAA. Yeah, I think I think it's actually worth looking into. You know, we talked about this a few weeks ago when their initial waiver was denied. Who did we hurt at right. the NCAA? Like, who did we hurt? <laughs> yeah, like, is there like somebody's like ex that's running that place or something that you know we we got some issues with or we just got to send some flowers? Like, what do we got to do to fix this? Because we've got we're obviously talking about Raekwon Battle and his appeal being uh, denied, which is one of the most frivolous things I've ever seen come out of the NCAA. And that's saying something cause they've had plenty. Uh, <laughs> there's literally a player at Cincinnati that just got approved. That is almost identical. When you look at the resume between the two is almost identical player to battle, but they get approved same situation yet battles not able to play. I want clarification from the NCAA. In all honesty, I want Ren Baker to to file suit against the NCAA. I think that's the only way that we're going to get anywhere uh, because at some point, the NCAA has to be held accountable uh, and they have to start making decisions where it's on an equal playing field because it's obviously not. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest problem is, is, is kind of what you touched on is not every case is the same. But in this instance, you know, you have two cases that are very much the same or extremely similar with two different outcomes. So it's really, you know, (laughs) questionable on how they're getting to those decisions. I mean, I understand they're a a big organization, but from my understanding of the process is they have a a certain team that that is reviewing this. So the same eyes are essentially seeing all of these these requests, but there's different outcomes. So it doesn't make any sense. No, I mean, not one bit. It's we're at a point too. And I, look, I want to give a shout out too to Ren Baker, because I don't know if you saw this on, I guess it's called X. Now I'm going to continue to call it Twitter. Uh, there was <laughs> somebody saying about how Ren Baker and coach should essentially be working harder to get Raekwon battle. And I'm not going to yeah. lie. Shane Lyons back in the day, obviously he never really looked at it, but he would have just ignored it because it didn't really care. He doesn't care to be honest. That's how I kind of got the perception. Ren Baker replied. I mean, he created an entire thread basically saying, yeah. Hey, shove it up yours because we're doing everything we can. And here's what we're doing. And I love that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think addressing um, the quote unquote haters isn't always the right move. But I think in this case, there's a lot of people who have positive outlooks on the job he's doing and and positive outlooks on the program and the players that we're bringing in and things like that, who are also questioning him, not in so much a negative way, but like we want to be in the know of what the process is and what's happening. And I think that he did a really good job with that, with that thread where it explained, you know, this is kind of what we did and this is where we're at, and this is what our plan is going forward. I mean, it does sound to me like you touched on this earlier. It does sound to me like they're going to take legal action. And I don't think that it's been proven yet, but my assumption based on some of the other we found more information 
that changed the the appeal status. I really feel like those those schools are just lawyering up, mm-hmm. and I think that's what the more information is. And what's funny is, is I was called out on Twitter and whatever for having a lack of morals for saying I wanted details of why this player's, you know, it was a I think it was the the UNC player from the football play uh, the football team uh, when his was approved after it was denied. I just said, you know, what's the process? And I I would like to know details. I understand there's like player privacy laws and everything with college and and the NCAA but how do other teams battle this if they have no idea what specifically the NCAA is looking for cuz it comes i would imagine that and and we love Raekwon and and we love you know you and I have heard you know a more detailed version of the story and everything like i feel bad for the kid but i don't feel like had the coaching staff known definitively that he wasn't going to be able to play, I don't think Raekwon or the coaching staff would have brought him here. So I think it's extremely unfair that it's not clear what's going on behind the scenes. And then when they make a decision, it's still extremely unclear what's going on behind the scenes. So it's like, how do they just keep giving these decisions and and doing the opposite of what they're supposed to be doing, which is they're ruining kids' lives. I mean... Uh, you had the Omar situation where he he can never play basketball again, and he sat out a whole year, essentially. Like, how is that? I mean, I understand there's um, graduation is a big thing. I, I've 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 read that if a player graduates, they're like immediately eligible, essentially, and that is kind of where some of these people are getting past the the need of waivers uh, in depth, like what Raekwon has. But there needs to be if if graduation isn't on the table then what boxes have to be checked? And if those boxes are checked, there shouldn't be any rebuttal needed afterwards. Like, it's either yes or no. Yeah, I mean, here's my take on it. There there shouldn't be any checks at all, in my opinion. You've made this. The NCAA has opened the can of worms where you can essentially use the transfer portal as free agency. If that's the way it's going to be for larger schools, let it happen everywhere. Just let kids go to school. Yeah. What well, what is the big deal about stopping kids from look Duke North Carolina Kentucky they're gonna have a monopoly anyway like who cares let schools like West yeah. Virginia have a chance to get a player like Raekwon Battle and if we if we want to just focus on the current standards the standard should be what it has always been and that is did the head coach at your last university leave in Raekwon Battle's situation the answer is yes his head yeah. coach left. That used to be an automatic guarantee that you could go to a new university and play immediately. It's ridiculous that this kid has got to jump through so many hoops. WVU continues to be, you know, the little brother of all of these blue bloods. And it's getting so old. And honestly, I'm at the point where just play him. Put, give him a uniform. Tell him get out there. What are they going to do? Strip some wins? Yeah. Who cares? Let the kid play. We're not winning a national <laughs> championship this year, and that's okay. Let the kid play. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Raekwon's situation is a unique situation, too, because he does have a red shirt. Mm-hmm. But technically, he still has eligibility even after this year. Yeah. So if he's not deemed immediately available, he can play next year. So, I mean, I'm with you, though. Like, I think, <laughs> I think that there's going to be something more to come of this. I think he's going to eventually play this year. But honestly, if it's late in the season, is it even worth him like using his eligibility? 
So I, mean, I, good, I don't know if it doesn't if it if it doesn't change early. I think that it's probably better for him to just sit out, I, um, which sucks, and I don't want that at all. But I mean, I, I think what WV needs to do is start calling some of these other universities that have had that yeah that have consistently yeah. had this issue, and essentially compile a class action. Put make the NCAA. Yeah. They are your founding organization. They're the organization that oversees you. There are guidelines, agreements. There are contractual obligations on each side. If you feel the NCAA is violating the contractual agreement, then make them prove that they're not. That's the only way that this Lawyers. is exactly. I mean, this is that's the only way that this is going to happen. And the way that you do that is you get multiple universities within a class action. You file it on the NCAA, and then. Even if the NCAA is successful in proving it, you at least then make them establish ground rules that are now yep. set forward. So you're going to win either way. It's either the NCAA admits that they're doing things incorrectly and they're violating their own bylaws and rules, or they essentially give you all the pieces to the puzzle and say, this is actually how we're doing it. So either way, you get the information you want. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I do think that's what it's going to come down to. I think the schools that have, like I said earlier, the schools that have pushed forward and gotten overturned, uh, some of these denied waivers, I do think that it's clear that legal action is what is what the new information is. Um, they just can't, you know, they're they're hiding behind the player privacy stuff to not come out and be like, well, they were going to sue us, so we had to. But um, I, I agree. I think that Somebody is going to grow, you know, get the stones to <laughs> to start throwing essentially, and other other schools are going to join in, and maybe it's WVU. I mean, this is rhetorical, but ha- have we had any of these <laughs> approved yet? I mean, I, I feel like we haven't. I don't think we have. I mean, yeah, it's just, it it is a consistent bias to, against schools like West Virginia, and yeah. we're at a point now where. There are enough schools that have dealt with this that you finally can honestly create some type of litigation that's going to force the NCAA to start answering some of these questions. And I mean, look, the NCAA and I, I can't even remember the guy, the commissioner's name, and if he's still the commissioner, the most smug person I've ever seen speak <laughs> ever. Uh, anytime he talked, I wanted to take like the. You know the well, I guess the mountaineer doesn't have it, but like you know, like a an old gun and it's got like the sword end. I want to shove that through yeah, my face. The old bayonet. Bayonet. Yeah, I want to <laughs> bayonet my face every time he talks. But <laughs> but I want you know I just want the NCAA to have to give us answers, and I think the only way that that's going to happen is litigation. Yep. Well, now we got that out of the way. Um. Now that, that rants over. <laughs> Let, let's. Yeah, that Hope you're over. listening, NCAA. Um, they are. I mean, I think they clearly are because I I think I foiled their plan. And maybe this is oh, over. sorry, West Virginia fans, but I said that we were trading Caracresta for a positive um, you know, acceptance of the Raekwon waiver, and I think they heard because they listened to our podcast and and now uh, you know, we don't have Raekwon anymore. But uh on to some positive news. John, how did you feel about this weekend? I liked it. I loved every second. Well, I can't say I loved every second of it, but I liked the majority (laughs) of the game. It felt like the first time where we've had the closest 
closest to a complete game, right? Like I'd say three yeah. qu- three quarters complete. Fourth quarter was a little eh, but three quarters complete. Yeah, we had some new bodies in too and stuff too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, I the defense was only the. Yeah, the I don't. Part, I don't but, count. Yeah. I don't count like the last seven minutes, but even the beginning of the fourth was a little iffy. Uh, maybe I think guys just got tired too. And you're up so sure. much, so you're kind of just like, screw it, we're going to win. Um, but yeah, I mean, 42-21, and that honestly does not tell the whole story. No, I mean, we <laughs> we let them score. I mean, they scored on a trick play and they, when they were yeah, down yeah. 42-7, to so uh, that's number one. Um, there was a couple times where we, we'll talk about later with the defense um, recap, but a couple times where we could have had interceptions that almost certainly would have went to the house if the guy lands on his feet. Yeah. And and beyond that, we had two more opportunities to score in the red zone, one being the end of the game when we just kneeled. Um, Neil being a, a, a classy guy, doesn't, doesn't run up the score, even though they called three timeouts. When they're down twenty one points, I hate that. Uh, and we're running if, the if clock out. Call, yeah, if they call a timeout, run a play. Yeah, that's what I said. I said score. That that's like I didn't I didn't like what happened with Penn State to us, but in their defense, we called a timeout, and that's free game. I in my, don't in my opinion, like, my my position on it is, I don't understand why we have like the whole. Oh man, I can't believe they scored again. Of course they scored again. You like if you suck. Like it, it's on you. <laughs> like get better and stop them. Like that's what how I felt at Penn State. Right? We played a terrible yep. game, and to be honest, the the last score that they had was extremely easy. It was like they were playing a practice squad. Yep. So you know what? With their backups too. Right. If you don't <laughs> want people to score, stop them. That's the yeah. Know, that's the game. Yeah. I mean, I think Neil essentially even said that too when that situation happened, but. But yeah, so I mean, there's an, there's easily another 14 points on the board, yeah. and and I think that we probably gave away 14. Yep. Um. But but yeah, so overall, though, obviously everybody knows if you watch the game, you saw what happened with the two headed monster in the backfield. We've got Garrett Green and Jaheim White. Garrett went 12 for 19, one touchdown in the air. 210 yards one interception which that was i feel like again kind of what you touched on he was just like screw it you know yeah i've i've made all the plays i'm gonna try and make this one and he tried to force a play and we were up and it didn't super matter um but so he had the interception then he had 11 rushes for 154 yards and three rushing touchdowns so he he joins pat again and mm-hmm. and another statistic of being one of the only quarterbacks next to pat white that's ever had a 200-yard passing and 150-yard rushing. He, yeah, it's game. only that those two. Wild. It's only those two in WVU history. Yeah, that's. And actually, I, I, I don't. I have to look into this to be certain, but I think the statistic was actually 200 yards in the air, 130 yards of rushing. So he got 24 on the stat before there's another person. I think. Okay. I, th- I thought Pat but, White had a had a 200-150 game. Yeah, no, I think Pat did. I'm saying the stat that everyone's talking about is he's the only quarterback other than oh, Pat White to go over it. 130. So he even beat like the next person by another 24 yards. Probably so Rasheed like a third Marshall. guy, I'm guessing. Probably Rasheed Marshall. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, the GOAT. Um, okay. I yeah, then Jaheim White, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it was fun to watch him. Uh, yeah, but he, he was no Pat White. Yeah, he was no Pat White. 
Um, Jaheim White went 21 rushes for 204 yards. It came out to like 9.8 yards or something like that. Yeah. Uh, one touchdown on the ground, one catch for 75 yards and a touchdown, which being in the stadium and him coming at us because you know, we were, we're in that end zone, mm-hmm. that was an incredible play. And the the next gear that he hit after he caught that ball was, it was. I mean, you can watch it on film. It looks like the dude's running in two times speed. Oh, I it's know. It's nuts. It looks like everybody's slow motion. <laughs> yeah. Except him. Yeah, except him and, and and Chad Scott. Chad Scott was the only other person that was close to him. <laughs> right. Chad Scott's got some wheels, dude. I'll tell you what. Put that dude. He started guy, running with him, and I was like, he might run him down. <laughs> get that dude a, a set of pads, man. Get him on the field. Probably doesn't have any eligibility. Yeah, these were two. Uh, these were two good games. I will say, look, I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Brandon. I will say, okay, that this offense currently, the way that it's working, is not sustainable. You can't have. Yeah. You can't have Garrett Green. He's not going to throw for 210 yards on 12 completions. The other issue is, your running back had one catch for 75 yards. He, you know, he broke away, which is great, but that's your leading receiver. Like they're the closest yeah. one, closest one to him had three catches, I think, for thirty yards. You that's just not gonna work. Yeah. It just feels like the wide receiver room is just not developing. Yeah, and and to me, and I, I think I said something about this on Twitter. Um, for those of you who follow me, but the the young wide receivers seem to be the ones that are doing the best, and I don't yeah. know if that's Bilal is is able to actually get through to them like they don't have bad habits or like egos or or whatever it may be but why it's the youngest guys that seem to be the most productive right now and maybe that's maybe it's even like a an effort thing like you know we kind of talked last week about uh Devin Carter not really finishing plays and this week it it, it kind of happened again i mean he ended up having like one or two catches maybe and but the the plays that he was targeted it's like he wasn't finishing the route strong, and so he was a little out of place. And maybe Garrett is, you know, obviously he's not perfect, and maybe the ball is a little bit in front of him. But whenever you don't leave your feet and the ball's in front of you, like arms reach essentially, like you can still do something if you don't, yeah. if you're not leaving your feet or trying to like make a play on the ball. It's just like he was like, oh, it's too far away, I can't get it. Yeah, I mean, I but, still, you I know, think if that's good. Rodney or you know, he could be good. No, definitely. No, he's definitely good. His stats in his previous school like show he's good. It's there's just something isn't clicking. And I know they've they moved him around and everything else. But yeah, I don't know. I just think that if you throw that ball to Traylon Ray or to Rodney, which Rodney doesn't even get a lot of you know downfield throws. That someone's diving for that ball or jumping or trying to get there. It just seems like Devin, it touches his hands. He's like, it's out of reach. I'm done. Yeah. He, uh, here's my, my take on Devin, to be honest, after watching him almost a complete season. Now, I just don't think he's a number one and he's lining up obviously as a, a number one receiver. So he's getting the best corner. He's getting, you know, I mean, a lot of the stuff, especially if they play yeah. man, obviously, but, you know, his routes are different than what he was doing at NC State. At NC State, he was kind of like, you know, he was kind of like a speedster almost. Like, he's a big guy, but he was, his. I think his average was like 17 yards a catch. I mean, he was kind of the home run hitter. And we haven't asked him to do that. We've kind of asked him to play across the field, middle of the field, you know, kind of like a back slant, stuff like that, even a fade route. And yeah. he, 
he, I don't think that's his game. So I think that WU has to find a guy that they can lean on that can be a true number one. Go get a go find a big body dude that you can you can teach to be an, a you know number one receiver in power five. They don't have to do what they do in the NFL. They just have to be able be comfortable running those types of routes uh, and being the guy mm-hmm. that they go to. We just don't have that right now. No, no, I agree. And I mean, one thing that's really important to th- keep in mind is essentially our whole offense is very young. Like the yeah. the ones that are like we have a lot of eligibility left there. So obviously the off season is going to be about retaining those players. You know, ha- you have to Neil touched on this last year. It's like December, the first week of December when the transfer portal is about to open is re-recruiting your team. Yeah. Which is absurd to me, but I mean, again, like you said earlier, they're moving to more of like a professional free agency model. So you have to do that kind of stuff. You have to negotiate contracts and whatever with it. Obviously with football and college, it's more NIL and promising deals and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it Traylon Ray is going to be, I think if, if he sticks around, maybe one of the better receivers that West Virginia has ever had. Like he already looks good enough right now. And he's he's only he he missed spring ball. I mean, he came late. I think he came in like July. Yeah. So he didn't have like OTAs and all the other stuff. Like he essentially came straight into fall camp, and is now starting and having major playing time and being a target and somebody that the defense is having to deal with consistently. And he's you know like I said like four months into being in the program. Like, what? Imagine what he's going to be like next year after an off season. <laughs> I agree. One thing to add to your transport portal discussion is that WVU actually lost a receiver today to the transport or transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, is it David Mallinger? Is that how you say it? David Davis Mallinger. Yeah. Davis Mallinger. And he played. He actually never lined up as receiver. I don't believe this year because he was injured. But he actually played for us as a defensive back, and in the off season they switched him to play receiver because he was one of the fastest people on the field uh okay. then he got injured and he i don't think he actually ever lined up this year at all i i don't think he did it looks doesn't appear yeah, to but yeah he did uh i mean he got some some pretty good offers whenever he was you know going through the he actually was committed to ucf at first it looks like mm-hmm. and then he decommitted came to wvu he's been offered by tennessee i mean the guy's gonna have interest so i don't blame him for for you know those types of guys, I never blame for getting the transfer portal. I really don't. So uh, that's you know I just wanted to add that on. Let's let's go on a little bit to the recap. Uh, we did lose an offensive lineman, Brandon. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, our impact player of the week <laughs> was a was a was another letdown. I, I don't. I think we're cursed. I think we are. Um, he went out early, so so he, we weren't even able able to be right about that, but. I do think that the snaps he played, he did well, but he, you know, he went out pretty early on, so it's hard to really evaluate that. Um, but I will say what it did prove is that we have some decent depth, and the different combinations we've had to go through this year with Nestor being out every now and then, uh, Milam being out, Rymac being out, we've had a lot of different bodies there. And the production of the offensive line really hasn't changed. So that's promising as well for our future is those guys have gotten a lot of reps in, in big games this year. 
yeah, that's a that's a solid point. Um, it, I mean, zero sacks this game. The offensive line just they just lined up and played well. It was honestly nice to see that they finally kind of got there. Because um, I mean, they're a team. They're an offensive line where you kind of look at it and you go, they should be better than they are right now. Which is how we felt coming out of that Oklahoma game. We just kind of went, yeah. what happened? You know, this is the type of play that we are expecting. Yeah, absolutely. And and against a pretty solid defensive line. I mean, this these weren't just, you know, the defensive line of a three and seven or three and eight team, whatever they were when they came in. Like these guys are good. And well, they, they're saying that I think is number number two. It's like one of the best defensive Dante linemen Corleone. in the yeah, Corleone, yeah. So I think they're you know, here saying he's pretty uh, has pretty high draft stock, right? He's a projected first rounder right now. I think the last, <laughs> I last mean, no, I mean he's he's fantastic yeah. in the middle. He's one of the only pure three hundred pound dudes who has more than a sack on the year. Like he's like our uh, Lockhart, which ha- who had a great yeah. game. We'll, we'll talk about in a second, but. You know, he's he's six two three eighteen. And he's a Cincinnati kid, which is cool to see. But yeah, right now he, he was top fifty, I think, at the start of October and then became uh, a first round mock drafter. So it's not like they played against scrubs. Yeah, for sure. So And uh Zach Frazier made light light work of that boy right there. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you right now, I Zach Frazier's name is just climbing draft boards. It's insane to yeah. watch. Like I I'm still calling it. I think he's a late first, early second by the time this is all over. And I hate to say it, Brandon, but I think he's gone. <laughs> he accepted the invite to the no, senior, yeah, he, senior he, bowl. Yeah. He's he's gone. Uh but look, he, he gave us everything, so can't complain there. Yeah, no, not mad about it at Great all. Great player. Never mad about that. Mm-mm. Uh, let's move on to the defense. Um, I'll go ahead and introduce this guy. I've <laughs> talked about him a couple of times. He's my boy, Lee Koba. Oh. Ten tackles and a sack. Yep. He had a day. And what a day to have. This is his last game in Morgantown, and he decided to, to show out. Yeah. He's the guy that we... Th- he played like the guy that we know he is. He was all over the field. Yep. I think his total breakdown was... He had two solo tackles, eight assists, which means he's just slamming the ball carrier as soon as he finds them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sack was huge. He played a great game, and it's something where, you know, he's another guy. This seems like the kind of the story of the year, right? Like, we we look at these guys, and, and he is just like it, where you're just, you look at it and you go, finally. Like, this is what we've expected. Like, he's, he's shown glimpses, right? But he's not been consistent yeah. like this. This is what we all expect to see from him. Yeah, and and to touch on another linebacker, Ben Cutter had a a, a really good game as well. He's a beast. Um, I don't remember his yeah, I don't remember his title his total tackles, but I know that he was involved in that forced uh grounding play and he was all over him and ran him down. And the guy had to throw the ball away. And like he like underhand threw it too. Like it didn't even get back to the line of scrimmage. He was out of the pocket and that's why they called the grounding. But Ben Cutter, again, another freshman guy. We've got we've got a lot of youth on our team, and I think that that is probably another reason why 
Neil Brown is the safest he's been in a while is there is promise. I, it's the classic WVU wait till next year. I get it, but there is a lot of promise currently on this team. If, if it all stays together. Yeah. Real quick. While we're on that subject, let's go back to last week, the Jimbo talk real quick. I want to address this now. Yeah. It's over. He's it, it's over. Neil has yep. done has done enough he's coming back and i think tony even announced like you may not like it you know but he'll be back next year i agree he'll be back it's gonna be one of those things where we could stop talking about it now we can move on and you know he's the coach uh next season and honestly i haven't seen a whole lot of talk otherwise since the game Nope, kind of died that's out. just how our fan base is and and other fan bases. I'm not just going to say it's our fan base because it's every fan base. We every, just are most yeah. exposed to our own fan base. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it seems like every loss, it's the coach needs to be fired. And every win, it's like, oh my God, he's so good. So um, yeah, I, I just think that, that like what you said, the, the talk's over. I think that Neil Brown, I mean, I told everybody that, that I had the conversation with um, very early on that I think the goal for the program based on the outlook we obviously I don't think the goalposts should it's not fair for them to move because we thought TCU was going to be good we thought Texas Tech was going to be good and they weren't good let me so just we say were able that's to get the best there. point you've ever yeah. made by the way I listened to the yeah. I, I listened back to the episode and I, I thought that that was by far the best point you've made on the show the whole you know constantly moving the goalposts because you're right you're exactly right. That's ex- that's what's happening. Yeah, I mean, we we Neil Brown has no control over the ability of the other teams. The only thing he can do is get his team prepared. Yep. And was there a game or two where they don't they didn't look like they were prepared or ready to be there? Sure, but every every year, you know, teams have that happen. There's there's ebbs, up, even at Alabama and LSU and Georgia. They not Georgia recently. I was so like, no, I don't know about that, that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know they have games that they're a hundred percent supposed to win that you just don't win. Like it happens, and I, we have a, a very volatile attitude about the current coaching staff. And I just think that the, before the season there were goals, and in my in my opinion, I think the goals were to get the bowl eligibility. Yep. And I think he did that. And you know we still have another an eighth win on the on the board potentially, and then a bowl game potentially a ninth win. Um, which will make him one of what, like, I think one in three seasons ever in the Big Twelve that we've had nine wins or eight wins. Like, y- you guys can say what you want to say, but the strength of schedule doesn't matter if you're winning in your conference. Like, we we only we can't we can't control that. So, um, yeah, I think I, I'm with you though. I think the the coach talks over. Um, even if he lays an egg at Baylor, I, I just I think that he's safe at this point. Yep. Um, but I don't think he's gonna lay an a Baylor. He's he has proven the last two years, I believe, that his teams have finished strong. Yep. Uh, so I, I don't see it being I don't see it being I a problem. Agree. I agree. Let's finish up uh, the last game. So uh, two quick things to note. One of them, obviously, the defensive line finally got penetration. I mean, they allow. Yep. There was a ton of pressures. Finally, got home. Mike Lockhart. Shout out to him. We didn't pick him to be the uh, the impact player this week. We had picked him in the past, and he you know put up a dud that week, at least stat wise. You know we can make yeah. arguments here or there. 
Stat-wise, this game had a great game. I think he had two tackles, a sack, and you could tell the entire time that the interior offensive line was they couldn't handle him. And so that was Oh, yeah, they were they were that tormenting to him. See. That was yeah, for sure. That was great to see. A uh, couple negatives. One of them is no turnovers. <laughs> There's no turnovers against a team that honestly loves to gift wrap turnovers to the other team. And it felt like you yeah, talked I'm gonna, about I'm going to pull a, a line ago. from last week. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to pull a line from last week. They were uh, deemed um, turnover machines. Oh, that's right. Emory Jones. That That is but, right. They were. Uh, but yeah, so that was that was definitely a bummer, and there were yeah. a couple opportunities, yeah, yeah, which I think you were about to touch on, where the we talked about earlier the interceptions, our potential interceptions. We we just have to catch those, and we're leaving the nation in the ball hawk rate, which again is really great because that means that the pass is not being completed. But the negative side is is that we have to start making some of those catches. Well, I mean that's the reason they play defensive back, because if they could yep. catch, they played wide receiver. That's what the, that's what coaches always say. Uh, last negative that I want to point out in that game, uh, in terms of defense, they allowed Henderson, who's the wide receiver one there. Uh, he dominated at times. I mean, they six catches, one hundred four. You know, Jones was fine at quarterback, but he doesn't have an arm. I feel like the soft zone defense is still just such a crippling thing for us and Henderson is good enough like he's one of those receivers that we talked about like Stoops who just knows how to beat those zones that you know goes through finds the the weak spot sits there waits for a pass yeah and the other thing to note is that they didn't play Jones the whole time they were actually playing two quarterbacks I couldn't believe I hadn't really noticed in in past games but I mean, Emory Jones did lead you know the quarterback room with with yards. I mean, he was at one sixty six. But they started uh, the other kid. completions. They started the yeah, other but they kid. started uh, Lichtenberg. I think is his name. Yeah, yeah, Open Oppenheim and whatever. <laughs> Still haven't seen that. Anyway, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was really weird. It was it was like I think I even messaged you. Not the guy we talked about. That was the message I sent you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the turnover machine. Yeah, this ain't him. But then he came in the second drive and said, ah, there's a the turnover machine. You're back. Okay. There he is. I don't know. Did you not tie your shoe or something? Uh, <laughs> let's talk about special teams because if not, Tim Lindsay will kill us. Uh, special teams. Missed a field goal, man. Missed a field goal. Yeah, that's two, that's two weeks in a row. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure. I don't know enough about it. I probably have to ask Tim. Uh, I know he's listening, so I'm sure he'll text me after. But. I don't know if it's a bad snap, it's a bad hole, what it is, but one last week was like it like hooked, which I believe would be a lace situation where the ball's not turned correctly. That, um, this week general, it was just yeah. dead right. Yeah, I don't I, know. Just, I think just he just. It. I mean, lo- looking back at the play this week, it just seemed like he was. Uh, I mean, I, I it just looked like he was trying to kind of force it. Didn't maybe just wasn't comfortable. I don't know. The, the the snap and the hold seemed fine, but obviously we're not professionals, so I'll be interested to hear from Tim on that. Uh, didn't play bad, just didn't play great on special teams. You know, did it wasn't we didn't have anything extraordinary happen. Didn't really put us in positions yeah. that we you know are here to talk about. You did have one note. What's that note? 
first, uh, this was first the touchback. first touchback punt. Yeah, touchback punt of the year. Okay. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, we only punted, I think, maybe two times, three times. But Ollie has been, Oliver Straw has been really solid at keeping the punt short enough to not go in touchback. So you keep him inside the 20. Mm-hmm. And this, he had an opportunity here and he just cooked it. And <laughs> so he, he finally got his one touchback punt of the year. Um, it was still, it was a boom. It was like a maybe 40 some yard, 50 yard punt maybe. And, but yeah. And by the way, we touched on their special teams last week, kind of as a, like a little added note about their, their kicker. And that dude had like a 65 yard punt. I don't know if, if anybody yeah. was paying attention to I that. Mean, he kicked out, he kicked out of like the, like off the, their 15 was like where his feet were. And he kicked it like back to like the twenty five or oh, something yeah. like that. I remember it was wild. when he kicked it. I was like, he, he literally just kicked out of the stadium. What? Is, how many <laughs> points is that? It's it's on the helipad. <laughs> I know all the rules to the to this game, but how many points does he get for kicking it out of the literal stadium? <laughs> <laughs> Call the NCAA. I need a ruling. It'll be against yeah, West Virginia, but. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, give us four months and we'll let you know that it's denied. They'll actually they'll call and be like, you know what? It's actually twenty two points. That's what he gets. So they win forty three forty two. Yeah. <laughs> so also, you're no longer bowl eligible. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for playing. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to honestly one of my favorite games of the year. Usually every year. This year I'm not as excited. I always love the WVU yeah. Baylor matchup. I think it's it's just one of those matchups like I just expect fireworks every time. I want eighty point yeah. games like from both offenses. I don't think we're getting that this year. Yeah, obviously. like the old seventy to sixty six game. I was there. I was there for that. Oh, I know, man. Back in like twenty fourteen or something. That's the the one time I thought for sure my car was gonna be flipped over by the time I got out. Because uh, <laughs> that was the game, if you remember. The next game, they started putting out shirts that said uh, respectful mountaineer, like be a respectful mountaineer. Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. That, yeah, that was that game. Shirts. Yeah. I, I threw it oh, on the field. We have plenty. Uh, <laughs> that's a story I'll tell you offline or my wife will kill me. All right. So let's look at the preview real quick on Baylor. One thing to note, Brandon, we we made a joke about BYU and having like players into their you know 50s and having a pension and everything. Baylor just doesn't recruit their own players. They're just, <laughs> they're a team filled with transfers, man. Like all of their top players are transfers, which is, I mean, more power to them. We lived off that in basketball for a really long time. We're living off it right now. Uh, yeah, but it is transfer city at Baylor. Incredible. We'll get into and some of the transfers. They also lost some of out. their, yeah, they lost some of their good players too, which I think is probably a, you know, majority of that is probably trying to replace bodies they're losing. Oh, 100%. Um, they yeah. haven't had a lot of success the last few years. So, and when they did, they kind of got let down there at the end anyways. But yeah, so definitely they have a lot of a lot of transfers this year and a lot of people that we didn't see and haven't seen in the Big 12 yet. So, and one I believe that we that we have seen. But yep. yeah, go ahead. So let's go over their offense real quick. Like every Big 12 team, I don't even know why I talk about what the offense actually is because it's the same thing every <laughs> every time. Spread with pistol. That's literally my note. Spread with pistol because that's Weird. that's literally what everybody runs anymore. I even put LOO after because I knew 
Uh, <laughs> I was so annoyed by this. So I was supposed to laugh there. That was my that was my cue. Yeah, could you please read the cues from now on? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> next next line. John is funny. Uh, Big 12 team. So they averaged 381 yards total offense, 267 passing, 114 rushing. Here's the kicker, Brandon. They averaged 22 points a game. Now, drum roll. That's good for 102nd out of the possible 133 teams eligible for that statistic. Not good. So they're not last. They're not last, but they certainly ain't first. <laughs> I wonder the stat is of what the difference actually is. I mean, let's say it's their twenty-two point four, right? Yeah. How 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 far down the list does twenty-two get them? Like, how close are they to being <laughs> last place? That is a great question. Let's take a look. NCAA offense rankings. Now I need to know because if it's like a point. <laughs> I'm gonna be pretty upset. <laughs> All right. Well, while yeah, we, I find know. while I find that, we'll talk. We'll talk about some other things. Uh, actually, I already found it. I'm very good. Uh, the the last. That's why we need to th- hire that researcher. Nah, no need. I'm I'm crushing it. Uh, <laughs> do you want to take a guess? And I'll give you a hint. This <laughs> this team is within. The tri-state area of West Virginia, okay, and they they average thirteen and a half points. <laughs> okay, so in the I, tri-state area. So by tri by that area, I'm talking Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia. We'll just limit it to those three. It's one of those states: Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia. I don't think you're getting this, and if you do, I will be certainly impressed. Miami of Ohio. No, honestly, you are not that far off, though. Kent State. Kent State. Okay, all right. 13 and a half, uh, right near, you asked what 20, 22 would get them, right? Um, mm-hmm. 22 would actually put them right below our friends, BYU. <laughs> B- BYU is wow. 105. Okay, I mean, so there's, I was expecting to be a little closer with the Power five. I would imagine you could score twenty points, but I good news is Pitt's still yeah. one fourteen. So you know what they're eating. <laughs> uh, let's talk. Let's talk about their uh, their quarterback real quick, Brandon. As uh, I guess to break the fourth wall, which is what they called in wrestling the fourth wall, the thing that separates the audience from the the people performing. Uh, I wrote a thing about the starting quarterback. Who's not even playing? So I did all that research for nothing. So I say I'm good at research, but then I do that. Uh, yeah. This this kid's something. His name is Sawyer Robertson. Uh, he has gone 49 of 98, 649, one touchdown, four picks. And guess what, Brandon? He's a transfer from Mississippi State. That's weird. Yeah. Couldn't have guessed that, huh? <laughs> uh, I have. I looked and found the most I could find on this guy. He is as bland as bland can be. Like he's just kind of a game managing quarterback. That's what it seems like who, again, uh, we need to get like a stamp noise like that goes in this show where it just says, you know, where you you hear (laughs) the stamp of approval because this dude's a turnover machine. 
So Mr. <laughs> Mr. Robertson is also going to be part of the, the cog that moves that machine. Uh, that is the transfer or the, the turnover machine. That's him. Uh, four picks on 49 completions. Ain't great. Yeah. I, I know usually having that four to one ratio is good. It's just, it's just flipped for him. Yeah. Yeah. He's got one touchdown to four interceptions. <laughs> yeah. And that's usually like, you know, 16 touchdowns to four picks. Not, uh, not yeah. this low. to be fair the kid hadn't played very much but when he has he hasn't been good so uh he does not scare me at the quarterback position i was much more worried about the other kid but he has a head injury and is extremely doubtful to play yeah and i think he's mobile too which this guy Correct. is probably not he had those stats so uh he had three touchdowns on the ground i believe already uh, ran the ball already like 30 times like the the other quarterback so yeah. much more mobile than this kid so that takes a huge aspect of their game out yeah um but also and i touched on this earlier someone that we are somewhat familiar with mm-hmm. uh their running back who drum roll please it's a transfer from where? Transferred from Oklahoma State. How'd they get Ollie <laughs> so Gordon in the during the middle of the year? Yeah, they renamed him Dominic Richardson. It's crazy. Damn, Burke screwed. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's only averaging 4.3 yards per oh, game. Okay. So he, uh, he's more of a threat in the air, probably. He's got 20 catches so mm-hmm. far. Um, but yeah, they also have another guy that, that runs uh, a little bit. He's got five touchdowns on the ground, Dawson Pendergrass. Oh I'm yeah, I think I'm saying that right. You are, but uh, he's a big boy. Like he's bigger <laughs> two than in the air. Richardson. Yeah, he's uh he's a he's a wide receiver though, right? No, no, he's a running back. He is a running back. Uh, he's oh, he's a running. Okay, okay. Yeah. Pendergrass right. is a running back. He's just right below Richardson, but he's a change of pace back. He's this is kind of a similar backfield to ours, except um. Nowhere near as talented. We averaged twice. Yes, twice as many yards. <laughs> is that nice to say? Like, hey, you're yeah. This is like the wish.com version of our backfield. Yeah, it's not mean if it's true, right? Not That's a sponsor. What I've always said. Wish.com, not a sponsor. <laughs> uh, not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> not a sponsor. So, Timu, uh, on the other hand, still not. We are. We're not trying not to steal your identity. Uh, all right, let's move down the list a little bit to these wide receivers. Now there is one guy on this offense that's that is scary, Brandon. And yeah. he's mm-hmm. massive. I'm not going to lie to you. Coming in at five foot nine, 165 <laughs> pounds. This dude reminds me of Tavon. Not as good. Not as good. But reminds me of Tavon. Monterey. I hope I'm saying that right. Baldwin. 38 catches, 623 yards, four touchdowns. This is the home run hitter. This is the guy that yeah. if we play zone and don't pay attention, he's going to get behind our zone. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's going to be the. But the flip side is, is if Anthony Wilson gets a hold of this guy, he might actually not play ever again. So. <laughs> 165 pounds isn't a whole lot when you got I, Anthony Wilson running at you. I would not want Anthony Wilson hitting me, and I am significantly bigger than Mr. Baldwin. So uh, <laughs> I'm not saying much. I'm sure Mr. Baldwin is much stronger than I am, but. Still would not want to be hit by him, especially I'm, I'm 5'9", 165. But this dude, he's their clear-cut number one. 
Uh, he's the guy that you just, if you shut him down, it's going to be difficult for them to move the ball. They have another guy, uh, Keetron Jackson. He went to Arkansas first, another transfer, 25 catches, 401 yards. But here's the guy. Uh, look, I had to do a double take when I saw this guy, Brandon. He's he is phenomenal <laughs> and no one's talking about him. So it's gonna be one of it's gonna be my player to watch on their team. Drake Dabney. This guy is 6'5, 252 pounds of pure tight end. 31 catches, 529 yards, five touchdowns. The last three games he's had four catches with 75 yards in each game. This is a guy that can change the game quickly. I don't know who they're going to match up on him. Maybe, maybe Lee, maybe Cutter, but it's going to have to be one of those guys and they're going to have to be on him extremely close because he, he can change this game quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anytime you have a big body like that, who actually has ball skills that can, <laughs> that can catch and he can catch on routes. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. Hey, that's a lot. Catch. That's a big boy. 252. That's a lot. Yeah. He's, and when he, dude, when he runs, you ain't missing him. I mean, you're going to miss the tackle, but you ain't missing him in terms of seeing him because he's just a gigantic dude. Dude definitely has NFL written all over him. Uh, but in all honesty, Baylor's offense is probably the most tight end. Um, I won't say centric because I don't think any of them are, but they're really the ones that portray like they like to focus on strong side, weak side ball. You don't see that a lot in the Big 12 right now because it's mostly spread. But, I mean, I've even seen them mm-hmm. play too tight end uh, you know, on the strong side. So this is something that they do. So don't be, uh, don't be alarmed if they go jumbo a couple times uh, out of that pistol because it seems like that's something they like to do, especially play action to the tight end. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, <laughs> uh, we have our own pretty solid tight end in Cole Taylor, but this guy's numbers are, yeah, are, are real good. So he's, he's, he's going to be a problem legit. for us. He's legit. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the defense. Some stats for the defense. They are allowing a whopping 33 points per game. Yep. And giving up 170 plus yards on the ground. Ooh. Um, I don't want to jinx anything. <laughs> but (laughs) go ahead and do it but we're like was it like fourth or fifth in the nation and rushing right now right so they're playing one of the best ground teams in the nation giving up some of the most yards on the ground it should be uh a total domination on the ground i would imagine um but yeah i don't know we'll see i I don't want to i don't want to jinx it I already did probably so you you uh they, they play <laughs> they play four three um their linebackers are just they're not bad they just kind of seem like they get lost a little bit whenever um rpo which is essentially every team now so that's yeah. probably where the 33 points comes from <laughs> but <laughs> you want to go over their key players from from defense yeah they've got a few um one of them mostly at the linebacker spot is is really where they have a lot of their dependability. They got one guy on the line. I'll talk about uh, Byron Vaughn's. He's been to three schools. This guy has traveled uh, more than I have 
Texas, Utah State, and Baylor. Uh, at least he stayed, in, I guess, in state for the last one. Linebacker, defensive end. He uh, will go on the edge. He's a stand-up defensive end, uh, but they categorize him as a linebacker sometimes. He's got three sacks, seven tackles for loss. He's just a guy that's quick off the edge. That's why I wanted to highlight yeah. him. Um, another guy that, that is the guy in the middle, Matt Jones. He's their middle linebacker, and he's kind of all over the field too. Three sacks, 10 tackles for loss. This guy's very, very fast to the ball. Uh, but he also he plays a little bit of coverage, but again, gets lost in space. TJ Franklin, this is the guy that is going to be probably who they scheme around in terms of the line. Uh, he plays all over. He's literally listed as a defensive tackle, defensive end, uh, and I think maybe even a linebacker. He's all over the place. I expect him to be mostly at the defensive tackle position against us, but don't be surprised if he's all over the field. Lastly, they have this kid who I think is probably going to be playing on Sundays by the time he's done. Uh, They have a corner. His name's Caden Jenkins. He is a true freshman. He's got three picks, a touchdown, a bunch of uh, passes defended. This kid's going to be really good. And I mean, he already is, but he's going to be phenomenal at this point, uh, you know, in a couple years. So look for him. We're a different to, team. <laughs> probably. He'll probably transfer. Um, yeah. He's welcome to Morgantown anytime, but he's, the, he's their, their best uh, coverage guy. So expect him to, I mean, he should go on our number one receiver, which in my opinion is Preston Fox, but I'll stop there. Uh, <laughs> so. do, you, do you ever have any like, descriptive sentences or words that you would use to describe him describe who uh, Preston Fox Preston Fox uh really good uh solid best hands overall best hardest working mountaineer hardest worker uh <laughs> the the guy who he is the guy who gets it done when no one else wants to he's the guy you know the dude that has to clean up the stadium like after the game that's Preston Fox for for this team he's got to clean everything up he's got to clean everything up he's got to be Garrett Green's guy and he's got to take care of it so that Preston Fox still the man uh even though he had I think three catches 30 yards but you can't catch you know passes that aren't thrown to you special teams this has uh, got Tim Lindsay written all over it, but he's not with us. So Brandon, you want to cover special teams real quick? Yeah, they've they've got. Uh, I mean, again, it's 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 pretty solid um, as far as college goes. But the punter averages forty three yards. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Um, and they they have a they have a good kicker. I don't think he's in the opportunities that he's been given. Hasn't missed a whole lot this year. Um. But yeah, I mean, other than that, there's there's nothing super impressive or that stands out uh, per se about the special teams. Um, do you have any other any other uh, nah, notes about that? On, honestly, their special teams is is just kind of middle of the road. Their kickers missed, yeah. I think, three extra points and five kicks. I think he's seventeen for twenty two uh, on kicks. But it, you know, he's just a college kicker. You know, he's, he's not something that I you know need to go on and on about special teams. I don't think is a huge uh, advantage either way in this game. 
Oh, any other notes about uh, about the matchup? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered everything. Well, that brings us to our second favorite segment of the podcast. What's our first? Oh, and yeah, that is our, our first. Uh... <laughs> we've, we've got a name for it. Don't worry. Uh, oh, boy. Second favorite is Impact Player of the Week. And I want to preface uh, here real quick. I want to say that we aren't right every week. And we aren't wrong every week. True. But I do think that we're just a little above, uh, 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 sorry, we're a little bit above our, or uh, sorry, <laughs> a little before our time is the word <laughs> I was looking for. Uh, I just kept repeating myself. Um, we're a little before our time on these. Uh, we picked Mike Lockhart a couple games mm-hmm. later. Has a really good game. Pick Preston Fox a couple games later. Has a really good game. Pick Cole Taylor a couple games later. Really good game. And if you remember, John, we picked Jaheim White. And this was probably, what, three games ago? Probably. And then all of a sudden, what came of it? I mean, he turned He had a pretty on. good game. But I will say, <laughs> I will say, look, I'm going to, I'm going to, I wish, we, we are not uh, hard workers. Like, we're not going to go back and cut stuff in. That's just not what we're going to do. But I wish we could cut in where I said, and you agreed, Jaheim White should be the lead back and CJ should be the change of pace guy. And I I still yep. feel that way. I mean, I think that that's the best way that this offense runs. And it's not a slight towards CJ. It's not. He's still going to get plenty of carries. It's just that yeah. Jaheim White's just a, he's just a playmaker, dude. And you could still line CJ up. Like, if you... If you put CJ in the slot a few times, let him run a little uh, slant route, that's fine. The dude's got hands. Let him catch the ball. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. We I... get it right sometimes. But yeah, you're right on the impact we player. We, 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 tend to, we tend to pick the impact player a couple weeks early. And you know, and that's, that's all right because all right. we're right eventually. We, well, we knew this guy was going to be impactful. Do you know what happens in a couple games? Bowl game. So you're welcome, Beanie Bishop, on that three-interception bowl game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so without further ado, uh, Beanie Bishop will be our impact player. Oh, we didn't even announce it. I gave it away. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you you ruined it. Uh, I will say, though, I think that uh, not to bandwagon, because like John said, we've been talking about this guy uh, for a while. Jaheim White, I think, deserves an honorable mention here, because the run game is going to be a big part of how we're going to win this weekend. And I think that that's going to start with with Jaheim White. So honorable mention, just because we don't want to uh, to bandwagon on the guy who just had a record, probably his best game he'll ever have. Um, at hopefully not. Have yards. a better so, one. Ho- yeah, yeah. Hopefully not. Have a day. As long as he's in the old golden blue. Have a day. That's right. Have a day. Just as long as you're in in WVU. Uh, yeah, Beanie Bishop. We talked about we talked about the one guy on Baylor's offense who can probably do some damage, and that's Monterey Baldwin, obviously except the tight end, but Beanie's not going to be on him. Um, I think B- Bishop and Baldwin are going to be the matchup to watch. I think Bishop is probably going to be moving with Baldwin uh, more than we've seen him do with other wide receivers. So just look for that matchup. I, I, I've got that circled. I think that that's going to be really good. Baldwin again, five nine, one sixty five is just speed. Uh, that's all you can say about him. It's just speed. 
Beanie's going to have to be on his game, uh, but he's the guy, the only guy in all honesty that I trust to go one-on-one with him. Yeah, no, totally agree. I think that's definitely going to be um, the biggest impact one player is going to have as far as stopping the other team or making this the game have a different outcome. Beanie Bishop versus their wide receiver threats. Yep. Um, anything else? Last thing to add that uh, we forgot to mention. Well, two things. One, whoever's listening, if you made it this far, it means you at least kind of like this show. Go follow all of our uh, social media. You can you can go to Twitter slash X, Facebook. We're on everything. And go, uh, go review us on wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us reach new people. So I wanted to make sure that we got that in as a uh, quick, cheap plug. Last thing, too. The guy that we have to also give credit to, which I have been historically hard on this year, is Burks. We forgot to mention him in the uh, oh, C- yeah. Cincinnati game. He yeah, showed he, up. He, he showed game. up. He yeah. That guy finally closed in on ball carriers. Anytime uh, you know, a receiver in front of him caught the ball, he was there. That guy was was on one. So good for him. He's he played the game that I expect him to always play because he's that good. So I want to see, you know, I want to see it again. I want to see it on a consistent basis. Yeah. Especially if you know I understand that his plans are he wants to go forward and and get into the NFL and things like yeah. that. He did so it's definitely he needs to show the consistency. Um we're gonna give him a pass because the injury I mean it's a scary thing, dude. You go down with with a potential, you know, neck yeah. spine oh, type yeah. injury yeah. where where you're you know temporarily can't feel or move like that's that's crazy that's scary. so yeah we have to we have to give him a little bit of a pass on, on that stretch where he was you know kind of wishy-washy but you know, the last couple of games I, I think that he's really started to come back into what we thought he was going to be and um but yeah so with that being said we'll wrap that part of the the show up and go into our favorite favorite Part of the pod- favorite part of the podcast, and this week we're going to be calling it uh, the Shady Spreads with Big John. <laughs> and the reason I call it that is because I'm looking at these spreads, and they all look like traps. <laughs> they, <laughs> like, they they really really are. Any idea how we did last week? Uh, I think I was. I didn't. I don't remember after the the late games. I was almost spot on. I think. Okay. Though, I'm just gonna tell our ones. listeners. I'm just gonna tell our listeners. Brandon says this every week, and I don't fact check him, so I'm just gonna believe it. But if he's lying, you tell me. Uh, he says every week that he's he's just six for six every time. Yeah, he's yeah, incredible. I think I was, you would actually. think he'd be you. You would think he'd be a millionaire by now, running all these these stacked parlays. The one thing to add, real <laughs> quick, Brandon is our disclaimer that uh we are morons we don't understand any of this uh we are taking guesses based off of whatever we feel that day based off whatever we ate that day based off how work went uh so please don't follow these uh unless you're okay with losing whatever you put up so not claiming to be an expert by any means and you should probably avoid all our picks yeah, especially this week, because like I said, these are some of the sketchiest, shadiest <laughs> spreads that I've seen this year. And 
Well, uh, like John said, I, I've been really good so far. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Texas Tech. Yeah. <laughs> Even except the one time I did check him, he was wrong on one, and and I just got lazy and I won't check anymore. So I believe him. He's, yeah, exactly. He probably won seven yeah. for seven last week. Seven for seven. All right, first game we've got uh, is actually going to be a Friday game, which we haven't had for a few weeks. Um, going to be a game to watch too. I, th- I think that this this could get interesting, but most likely um, the favorite team here. We've got Texas Tech versus Texas. Texas is favored, twelve and a half points in Texas. Oh, the reason I think this is kind of a sketchy game is this just seems like trap written all over it, <laughs> because Texas is essentially locked up. Their chance in the Big Twelve, they 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 they're going to to the uh, conference championship. I think it's statistically impossible if they lose this game, they still go. And I think that uh, Texas Tech is just still looking for an identity. And what better way to find an identity than to beat Texas in Texas the final year Texas is in the Big Twelve? So, John, take it away. Ooh, that's that's a good point. Hey, real quick, off topic, but I just wanted to update you because I was sitting here looking at it just happened to ca- come up on Ethan uh, Box Twitter slash X. Somebody had tweeted, have we ever won an appeal? And I didn't even think about this. Gabe, we won Gabe's appeal. Okay, fair. So, so solid, we, solid we've, appeal. we've at least gotten one. So anyway, um, uh, we've lost the 99 others. So, Shady Spreads with Big John. We're starting here with Texas Tech versus Texas. I am going to go... I have to take Texas minus, minus 12 and a half. I, I just don't trust Texas Tech. It's in Texas. It's on a Friday. So, you know that McConaughey is just going to be on one. And usually when he's on one, they're on one. So, Texas minus 12 and a half. I have actually no real reason to pick that, but I'm just going with it. Yeah, I'm going uh I'm going with the upset here. I think that uh Texas Tech while they may not win the game, I just don't think oh, they're Okay, lose then by you're not going really with the upset. You're taking the points. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the points, but I okay. I'm saying I'm saying that Texas Tech beats the spread here. Right, that's not really an upset. I mean, it's going to be upsetting to Texas. No, cuz they're going to win. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. You don't know. You that. know what? That's a great idea. Someone get the someone get the uh CFP committee on the phone. I think that's how we should do it. Tiebreaker goes to the spread. How many times they've yeah. you know they've they've lost against the spread this year? That's a great idea. Great idea, John. All right. Uh let's go on to the next game, Bryn. Yeah, we've got TCU versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma's a nine and a half point favorite. They're in oh, Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, again, I just, <laughs> it just seems so shady, um, because I just don't think that TCU and Oklahoma, it, it, I don't, I don't know why this is so low to me. This seems like Oklahoma and Oklahoma is going to definitely beat them by 10. I'm guessing it's the the performance last week that was in BYU, which is completely a different situation. But I just uh, don't think TCU has looked good enough this 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 year to uh, to keep Oklahoma from scoring, and or keep up with them in points. So I I would I would take Oklahoma in this situation. I'll tell you why the spread is like this, Brandon. It's for two reasons. One, I have on good authority 
that the governor of Oklahoma listens to the show and has listened and called Vegas when I've told him to. So good for him. Mm-hmm. Second reason is that whoever's in Vegas right now making this spread is blinded by the TCU Baylor game. That's what I think. Yeah. I think they think TCU is much better than what they are based off that one game. Because TCU is one of those teams now where like they come off one big win and all of a sudden they're back. Well, Texas ain't back and neither is TCU. Oklahoma by a billion. I like it. Uh, next game, we've got the Finding uh, fighting Dana Holgersons. <laughs> fighting, no, fighting hairs. Yeah, the, the, the hairs fighting for their life. Uh, right. Versus UCF. UCF is a 13.5 point favorite. It is in the bounce house, so I know that's going to play a factor. Uh, it's just... I. <laughs> I just don't think that UCF's got two touchdowns in them nah, over Houston. Nah, I'm with you. I, I just I've, Houston I, covers this easy for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I'll bet against Dana all day, but this just doesn't seem like just seems a odd. widespread. It's just yeah. odd. I mean, I get it. You know, UCF rolled Oklahoma State, but like, I don't know, man. I don't have them beating Houston by two touchdowns. I think they win this game. But I think it's probably a six-point game, something like that. So, yeah, I'm going Houston. Yeah, yeah, and we know the defense for UCF doesn't look great. And Houston isn't trying to run the ball, and that's what they were able to stop at Oklahoma State to to be able true. to win that game. So That's true. Uh, that's not what Houston's identity is or trying to be. They do have a good running back, but that's not what they're trying to do. And they have they have an athletic quarterback, which was kind of the death of UCF versus WVU was having an athletic quarterback. So I I don't I don't look for UCF to cover this at all. Yep. Next game up, we've got the old guys versus Oklahoma State. That's BYU <laughs> versus Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State's a, a 16 and a half point favorite. We have geriatrics versus the Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> 16 and a half. Is that what you said? Yeah. Golly. I want to say that I don't believe it, but I think Oklahoma absolutely crushes BYU um, based off the fact that WVU dismantled BYU. Oklahoma State. Yeah is a very good team when they want to be They're at home, which I think gives them obviously a bigger advantage. I would really like to know in all honesty, and I'm going to have to look this up, Brandon, because I think it, it really is the deciding factor for me. So give me one second and I'll tell you who I am picking. Oh, I'm going Oklahoma state by a bajillion. And <laughs> the reason, it's a noon game, right? The reason being is that it's a three thirty game. And that okay. is nap time. So, uh, <laughs> man, I don't, I, I BYU. I like you. I think you're, you're great people. Right. But I have to make fun of you at some point and I have to make fun of every team and I have to do it. Unlike the NCAA, I am fair about these things. So Oklahoma state by a billion because, um, you know, that's, they're not getting their nap. <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and I'm going to say they're going to be really upset that they have to wake up for their nap and haven't had their dinner just yet. And I'm going to say BYU covers the spread. Okay. I think you're wrong. I think that they looked Uh, pretty good last week, but yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Uh, 
because and here's my other reason. I don't think Oklahoma State's letting them become bowl eligible. I think that that's going to put it on them too. I, I think that that's going to be a huge thing for Mike Gundy to focus on. That seems like a Mike Gundy thing. Yeah, I I, I would say, I don't know. Every time I've listened to Mike Gundy talk, it seems like he doesn't even watch the other team play football. So, Right, but I, I think somebody's probably going to tell him the record. <laughs> somebody's probably going to tell him. Also, can we just, real quick, can we just talk about how we called BYU the most fraudulent five-game five winner? They haven't won a game since, so I guess we were kind of right there. Yep. No, no, dude, no. Although our we, friend we thinks right. that they should be national champions. they're about champions. to win this game. Our friend thinks that they should be national champions, is what I heard. He's That's actually some, what he told me one time. Yeah, yeah, he he said, actually, from what I heard, he told me that BYU should be national champions and Zach Wilson is the best quarterback in the NFL. That's exactly what he told me. I was there. Yeah. I heard it. Yeah. Actually, the direct quote was, they're not that bad. Yeah. I yeah, remember. they're not that bad and they should probably be champions and stuff. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> That's a direct quote. All right. Next, <laughs> next, next game, we've got Kansas six and a half point favorite over Cincinnati in Cincinnati. John, don't let your friends in Cincinnati down here. I look, I let them down last week. <laughs> hey, wait a second. Hold on. You couldn't have wait been a right. Second. You couldn't have been right, pal. Why is that? Didn't you say, no, that was the week before week before. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on a second. I'm getting, Oh, I'm getting a call. Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hey, yeah, I haven't heard I haven't heard from you for a while. Well, hey, good to hear from you. I just want to say thanks again. All right, pal. All right, see you later, pal. Anyway, Kansas by a lot. Uh, this is yeah. the, an incredible spread. My friends in Vegas uh, are obviously liking me more than my friends in Cincinnati, and my friends in Kansas are going to beat up on my friends from Cincinnati. Unfortunately, uh, this is not going to be a close game. This is going to be a blowout. Uh, T's and P's Cincinnati. I love you. Love that city, but this, this is going to hurt and it's not going to be by six and a half. It's going to be by probably 10 plus. Yeah. I think the big part of the matchup is, is what we did to them on the ground this last week. And yeah. Kansas has a very solid, um, ability to run in their quarterback like we did. And Cincinnati is very bad at, addressing a rushing mobile quarterback and additionally Devin Neal I believe is his name from Kansas is solid and quick and he is like a veteran Jaheim White style running back you talking about the running back he's got a yeah yeah Devin Neal projected third rounder I like him yep yeah he is solid He's very so good. I think I think that they'll have a, a day like we had, and they're going to cover the six and a half, no problem. You know, a lot of people are mocking him, not like making fun of him, mock drafting. <laughs> I don't want people to think like they could, they could be mocking him too. <laughs> yeah, they're actually mocking him with this projection. Uh, they believe that he is going to be picked before Blake Corum, the running back at Michigan. So I thought that was very interesting. So he may have He's more. Solid. He have he might have more pro upside. So anyway, just wanted to throw that in to prove that I knew something, but uh, that's it. Yep. Next game, our penultimate game here, Iowa State versus Kansas State. Kansas State is a nine and a half point favorite. Ooh. Wow. 
this is a this is a tough one. I think both these teams are good. Uh, I think Kansas State is better, but I don't think they're covering this. I think it's close. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Iowa State here. I I think Iowa State's defense is good enough to slow down Kansas's Kansas State's kind of mediocre offense. I think Kansas State's defense is great enough to just tear up Iowa State. I think it's going to be a low-scoring battle. You know, uh, who knows even what the weather is going to be out in Kansas at that time. So, yeah, Iowa State, uh, I've got them right here. Yeah, I think uh, this battle in the Little Apple, so they call it, of Manhattan, Kansas, I think that uh, Iowa State does enough to keep it close. I I don't think that, I think Iowa State covers this. Yeah, I think Kansas State still wins, but I think Iowa State covers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think Kansas State's definitely the better team. Um, I just think that Iowa State defense doesn't give up a lot of points, and all of their games have been relatively close, so... All right, well, the game you guys have all been waiting for to hear what your resident experts that aren't actually experts and don't listen to us have to say. We don't know anything. And we don't know anything. Uh, WVU versus Baylor in Baylor at Waco, right? That's at uh, Waco, Texas. Yep, Waco. And uh, WVU is uh, an eight and a half point favorite or just the fourth time being a favorite this year. Third time? Or time. I uh, I've decided I will only call Vegas one game a week at max. I may not even call them every that's, week. That's good. Uh, yeah. And I've already got next week. <laughs> yeah, I, I only called him once, right? Uh, actually, now that I think about it, Brandon, they called me this week. That's true. So I still have one on the line, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make the call. I like this line a lot. Uh, I like it because WVU will absolutely annihilate this line. WVU by 15. That's what I'm going for. Alternative spread, minus 15. This this is a joke of a spread. Thanks again, Vegas. It's one of those where they just are going off name recognition of Baylor only and not the product that they're putting on the field versus WVU's product that they're putting on the field. WVU will run circles around this team and i mean that literally garrett green might get to the 20 go backwards a little bit then go forwards then go backwards then go forwards because he's that fast this defense is going to have nothing for him uh jaheem white some people say he's still running right now on that last carry so who knows where he is he may uh, hopefully he's at the game uh, but he's probably running there too and uh he's gonna beat us all there anyway so yeah wvu minus 15 is what i'm going with uh, thanks again, Vegas. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. I think WVU wins this on the ground. I don't think that Baylor has a way to stop us. Uh, no matter how many games they have on tape of us now, we've we've been the same team every single week and just run it down your throat, and it uh, hasn't stopped yet. So I I foresee a lot of uh, yards on the, on the ground, and I think that WVU covers us. I also put in... Uh, another point here that we we spoke about earlier they're allowing 33 points a game yeah and if you look at some of their opponents this year talk about our schedule being easy uh, they've got they've got some of the softer teams as well and they're allowing 30 they're they're giving up 33 
I think that uh, that we're going to score a bunch. I, I would say we probably are going to put up over 40 on them as well, and I think I think we're going to win by 20. Yeah. I think that's a great, great point, Brandon, and it's definitely one that we are going to look forward to. WVU, by a lot. I think the line, just so you're aware, I think the line might have moved a point while we were talking. No joke. So maybe nine and a half now. But anyway, we're both taking Is this w- live? Live. <laughs> yeah, live. I think that the spread just moved. But anyway, we're it doesn't matter anyway to us because we're both taking them anyway. So there you go. WVU. Anything else you want to say, John? <sighs> no, I've said it all, Brandon. I've said so much today. Well, there's just one thing left to say then. Just one thing left to say. Let's go!